Hey, welcome to the Total Bitcoin Podcast Show. My name is Kevin Davani. My very special guest is Obi Novoso, the CEO of and co-founder of CoinFloor. Um, really big fan of CoinFloor by now because I uh, really understand and identify, you know, the philosophy, the ethos, because uh, it's a Bitcoin only product and project and company. So, um, yeah, uh, Obi is um, CEO and co-founder, and he's got 20 years of experience in, uh, you know, his technologies um, in this space for over 20 years. So I want to have his take, you know, on, on uh, also on a, you know, a range of other topics such as merchant adoption, what he thinks about, you know, the, uh, the unfolding of the, of the economical monetary crisis, um, out the DCA, uh, and yeah, a spectrum of other fascinating topics I want to talk to him about. So without further ado, this is my uh, interview, my talk with Obi Novosu. Uh, let me know what you think, your feedback, your questions, and thanks so much for supporting for listening. Hey, Obi. Hey. How are you doing? Thanks so much That's for your time and thanks so much for coming to my show. No problem. How are you? I'm great. Uh, Obi, could you just, uh, for my, uh, especially for my listeners who haven't maybe uh, heard, um, you know, haven't heard anything from CoinFloor um, or about yourself, like a little bit about your background? Yeah, so um, I was um, born and bred Londoner, Nigerian parents, like to call myself an Anglo-Gerian. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, I was uh, conceived in Nigeria, but born in England. And I've been living in England most of my life, other than a stint living in India. Um, but other than that, I, I, I lived in England all my life. And um, I, my background was a technologist, uh, a card-carrying geek. So I hold my hand up. I studied computer science and cognitive science, so AI, before it was really called AI in university. Um, was involved in dot-com one. In the in UK and Europe, .com two with social media and and massively multiplayer virtual gaming, um, and virtual currencies actually came about then. This was ten plus years ago, and then finally I struck out myself and set up my own company. And this is my this is my third company. First one was sold. The second one um, learned a lot, but lost a lot of money. And then um, finally I came came to Bitcoin. Um, yeah, in the background of CoinFloor, we, we, first of all, Bitcoin, I first came across Bitcoin in 2011. As, as a techie, a lot of people were talking about it um, in, in tech circles, and it was really technically interesting. But after it dropped from, you know, nearly $100 to $10, $20, I thought, oh, this is a waste of time and I'll, I'll leave it. Um, and I came back to it in 2013 when um, my co-founder, um, well, soon to be co-founder, approached me with the idea of setting up an exchange in the UK. Um, I looked at the price, it was now in the several hundreds. And I realized that not only was it technically interesting, but it had this economic and social underpinning that I didn't see two years earlier. And I realized that this was something that was going to be very significant um, and it made sense to just create an exchange that had free tenants, trust, reliability, and security. And that's what we've maintained ever since. We've, there's multiple ways you've done that. And it's been a, 
an, a tumultuous, exciting road over the last six and a half years now. Um, um, but but I wouldn't wouldn't change it for anything. You know, it's funny because when you hear uh, when I hear uh, those stories about like prominent Bitcoiners who who got in touch for the first time with Bitcoin, they brushed it off, right? So a lot almost of almost everyone does. Almost right? everyone does. Yeah. Like, when was the first time you understood? Because you 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 talked about like economical, social, many maybe yeah. monetary yeah. properties. When was it like aha moment? Was like, oh my god, that's like absolute scarcity. You know, it's immutable. Whatever. You know, like all these yeah. monetary properties. That's an amazing question. Um, so literally a couple of days ago, I was talking to a VC friend of mine who was telling me back in 2011, um, I, I, when I'd first came across Bitcoin, I was waxing lyrical about it and I was just infatuated with this technology. But it was purely from a technical point of view. And it wasn't until probably... It was probably about a year into about two by about mid 2014 that I really started to and, and, and through 2015 I really started to understand that fundamentally the technology and all of these stuff were foundations but they were foundations to support a greater concept which was a philosophy you know it's a, it's a sort of monetary re-education as I like to call it um, and the philosophy is that actually um people talk about existing crypto existing fiat currencies as being stable and so on but what really people want is certainty and bitcoin provides a level of certainty that you have never seen before we know what's going to happen to bitcoin over the next 140 plus years um there are some question marks but compared to the question marks of a fiat currency which by design it, you, you're supposed to not know what's going to happen. You have to wait on bated breath every time the central bankers decide what they're going to do to interest rates or, or inflation levels, etc. Whereas with, with Bitcoin, you know what's going to happen. And that certainty is this amazing, provides an amazing umbrella. You know, if you think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and the first one is physiological needs and the needs for safety and security. Well, Bitcoin, from a monetary point of view, provides that need in terms of security and safety and understanding and certainty of your money to a level that we haven't seen before. And once you understand that, that allows you to have the confidence to go off and build a, a completely new financial future based on that. And you realize that everything else you do in terms of the technology and so on is just to ensure that certainty and make it ever more certain. So adding fungibility, adding reliability and so on, all are, should be um, at the altar of making it ever more certain. Scalability is great, but if it is at the risk of certainty, it's a no. And then everything else sort of fits into, into, into place after that. When you interact with people around you, like, uh, I mean, you know, I've been talking with my girlfriend about, because she's saying, you know, we should really go more outside of this echo chamber of Bitcoin because, you know, we're all Bitcoiners, you know, on, on Twitter and we're all in this echo chamber, but there's like, you know, massive, you know, loads of people out there who, yeah, might have heard, you know, one, once or twice about Bitcoin, but they haven't really got in touch. They don't know, they haven't really felt to experience the pain point. They don't understand, you know, the monetary properties or that yeah. it's a savings technology. How do they, how do you communicate with these people? How do you, what's the first, like, what is, like, you know, there's like so many, you know, triggers. Oh, 
we're trying, we're trying, we're thinking about it. Well, first of all, if you think about everybody goes to this journey um, where you finally, the light bulb moment happens or you're going through that process and it's, it's a gradual thing. It's a sort of slow illumination as opposed to a light bulb. Some like dimmer switch getting lighter and lighter. Um, and as that happens, you start to talk to friends about it and you eventually get labeled that that Bitcoin guy, you know, and you know, everybody, everybody knows this experience that in their group of friends, you're the person, whether it's spoken, unspoken or not, who just is always is going to be to turn the conversation towards Bitcoin. If we're talking about kitten photos, it's going to be somehow there's going to be a link to Bitcoin at some point. And, um, and what you notice is that most people initially, just like most of the people who entered Bitcoin, rail against that eventually. They, they want to just talk about day-to-day -day life and they feel it's very separated from them. I think what we've come to realize is that there are two ways to get to them. One is, uh, but ultimately people have to come towards Bitcoin. So Bitcoin is almost like this sort of black hole, this gravitational well. And people come towards it. And there's people who are closer to it, who are more inquisitive and people who are further away. So they'll take longer to get into it. Sort of it's event horizon where there's no escape. To, like, to sort of, when like sort of once the student is ready, the master will come, right? <laughs> yeah. So, so they, they have to sort of come towards it to some, some degree. And our job is not to try and drag them towards it because that's sort of inevitable. Other things happening in the world will cause them to sort of, seek certainty because as i say maslow's hierarchy needs we want security and safety it's it's above the only thing that's more fundamental is the need for water and air and so on but after that you want certainty and reliability and bitcoin the more you understand it, the more you see it's being consistent and every 10 minutes blocks are coming out and so on um the more we will realize that this is an incredibly certain technology monetary technology and they will be drawn towards it so our job is to do um, two things, really. There are a number of false, so now I'm stretching the metaphor here, but a number of false um, black holes circling around it. Um, and these are altcoins, some people call them. Some of them are called shitcoins, but it doesn't really matter. These are sort of false black holes and or false maxima in terms of optimization. And the risk that customers or, or potential new converts to Bitcoin have is that they will fall into these false maximas and these false black holes and not reach the, the main one. And once you're in and you've invested money and time and effort and, and your own personal brand, it's very hard to come out of that into, into the correct one because you have to sort of, it's, it's a very hard psychological thing to do. So I now see our job more, um, less about trying to get people to come towards um, Bitcoin and more about preventing them to, to sort of uh, preventing them from going to the sort of false maximums. Um, and so that's why we focus on, um, you know, monetary re-education, but it's also buy Bitcoins, not CoinBS. Because there's a lot of altcoin BS out there, a lot of shitcoin BS out there. And... Um, and so that's why we want to, to, to make sure it's very clear. Um, and a big, big, big um, people who have a big um, responsibility for towards this are exchanges. And, and, we, and we could talk about that more, but they're the first point. And the big problem that you have right now is that multiple exchanges offer a plethora of options, 
without highlighting that one is literally over at this point in time at 67.x percent dominance the market cap of bitcoin is more than twice the market cap of every other coin combined but so but if they're quoted on the same page with similar with similar presence a new user won't realize that you're comparing uh, uh, a tommy toy of a spaceship with the spacex bfr rocket compared to each other you won't realize that they're completely separate things yeah yeah totally i totally agree and you know what the thing is i'm uh, i'm not going to name the, the exchange you're probably going to know that it's one of the one of the prominent ones with the lowest with one of the lowest transaction fees and you know they're top-notch security service all that but um, a lot of Bitcoiners, you know, they have criticized why are they still shilling, you know, all the, why is this, why is there so much distraction with shit coins? And that's why, you know, I can identify with your ethos and philosophy uh, on, uh, also on, on Twitter, <laughs> where you say, where's that, um, where you say, a coin floor lets anyone invest and hold Bitcoin easily and safely. Born in 2013, our passion is providing Bitcoin services minus the crypto industry bullshit. And that's like really sweet for me because I can identify with the ethos. And yeah. I wish other platforms or products or whatever projects, companies would do that as well. Yeah, beyond, beyond um, coin floor, um, this is something that we think is important across the industry. I mean, we're a commercial company, we want to succeed. But our driving mission is to get to now is to get to guide people towards Bitcoin and avoid the BS. Mm -hmm. And and we would feel incredibly happy if um, we managed to succeed in getting more and more exchanges to go Bitcoin only. And I actually predict that this epoch will see the return back to Bitcoin. We announced that we were going Bitcoin only. It was a hard decision to make because the whole industry is going to multiple cryptos. Um, and a lot of users say, I want more cryptos, even though we know that they don't trade very high volume. But we just didn't like the fact that there was a misalignment of, of, of incentives. Most exchanges do not, in their own treasuries, because they might hold their own bit, um, crypto, will not touch anything other than Bitcoin, maybe Ethereum. Some will maybe hold Ethereum. But... The, the, the vast majority of coins they list, they will not touch. And so if you're not willing to eat your own dog food, as Google would say, that seems disingenuous to offer it to your customers. Now, the argument is customers want choice. But, you know, someone coming in new, even if I'm an award-winning, I always like to give an example, if I'm an award-winning maxiofacial plastic surgeon, you know, one of the most difficult uh, medical um, qualifications to get, if I go into Bitcoin, I'm a baby. You know, um, skill doesn't translate that way. Or, or also, if I try to ride a, a motorbike, I'm going to be a beginner as well. It, 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 it's no, there's the assumption that because you're really good at one skill, you're going to be good at another is, is ridiculous. We know that's not the case. So when they come into, someone comes into Bitcoin, you have to understand that they're literally a um, neo-money um, child. They're, they're, they're day one. And if, if you ask a child, well in a sweet shop or what do you want to eat? They're going to say, I want everything and, until the point they get sick. You know, they're going to ask for multiple choice. But as an, as, an, as an adult, someone who knows this space, you'll know that actually it's not good to just offer them whatever they want, you know? Um, and at some point, instead, what you should offer them is what, what they need at the beginning, plus lots of education. 
And once they have enough education, then offer them whatever they want. And if they, because at that point, they will very likely not want anything other than the, the things that are best for them anyway, after being educated. But to offer them in the, in the interim is, is, is disingenuous. And you know it's just a mechanism to earn money from them. But it's, but it's not a mechanism to have them perform, do the thing that's best for them themselves yeah um as you know as, as the events are now um unfolding you know and with an exponential speed you know the economical crisis i mean economic crisis we are in the midst of a depression i mean if we just look at the united states the you know unemployment numbers businesses just just literally devastated um do you do you experience do you get more like uh immediate feedback from people or more direct questions in regards to their you know, to, to the economy, to their income, to their savings. Is that like something you, you, you know, you experience more? So, um, we're not getting direct feedback in terms of, um, the economy and savings, but we are, we, um, you know, personally, and as a, as a company, we engage with the, the Twitter conversation and that is an, a growing theme. I think, um, it's the, the catalyst, this was a long time coming. We've known it. I mean, in fact, we expected it to come at two, in 2009, which led to the, the, to the birth of, uh, of Bitcoin. And, um, and it didn't happen then. Money printing managed to, to delay the process. But um, it was still, fundamentally, the system was, was, hadn't fully recovered. And it was likely this was going to happen again. It was just waiting for a catalyst. And that catalyst came in the form of, the you know the the king the king um, virus the the coronavirus and that's effectively if you look at it and its effect on the world is a form of viral nuclear bomb you know it's it's even corona crown almost like the crown of a of a plume of a bomb um, and the world is fighting it um, it's a very unusual war because the 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 soldiers are doctors and nurses and 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 primary care workers um and it attacks the oldest as opposed to the youngest but it's still a world war um in all respects in terms of how the, the the world's response to it um but what just like our expectations for an uh, thermonuclear war the actual explosion itself is just the beginning of the story. It's the fallout, which has the far bigger, far more far reaching effect that can go on for years. And the fallout for um, that we see, and you see the discussion happening a lot um, and realization increasing is obviously there's a money printing is the obvious thing, you know, BRR dot money and all this sort of stuff and um, is, is, is clear to see. But what is not so clear, and I think people are starting to realize is the widespread remote working. And that's going to be, and, and a lot of people are talking about that concept, how that's going to have this significant and foundational um, and fundamental effect on how people interact. Um, and what's really interesting about it, like unlike the other two, you, a vaccine, a cure for vaccine will very likely be found at some point. Or we'll adapt and we'll figure out how to live with, with um, this as a, um, as a, as a um, endemic um, virus that never goes. And in terms of the money printing, we've seen that there's almost no limits to how much money can be printed. There are no limits, really. So, so money printing will continue. The, um, but 
once people's mindsets have changed, once they are now used to the concept of not all, but a significant percentage used to the concept of working remotely, that has a fundamental um, 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 effect on reducing demand for commercial real estate, for airline flights, um, and for all of the businesses that support that. So for example, transit, um, for going back to work, all of the businesses around that. And so, and that will lead to a fundamental depression in the economy. Um, now, how do you hedge against that? Well, I, stocks and sh if you think about it, for the average person in the street, there were four things they put their money in. They would um, put their money into um, real estate. It's number one thing. If I want to hold the value of my money, real estate. Two would be, um, I'd put it into stocks and shares. Three, I'd put it into cash. And for maybe, maybe they consider putting it into gold. This is for the average. Most people wouldn't get onto, you know, fine wines and, um, you know, and um, art, etc. Um, now, if you look at those cash, we've always known that cash was not actually a good in, a place to hold your value. And now in a world of money printing, it's going to be just more obvious. Most people start to realize this is not a good place to hold your value. Stocks and shares, well, if your remote working will lead to a fundamental reduction in, in demand for, for many businesses, it will, it will increase some, but on average, more will be reduced than it will increase. So even though there's money printing will lead to this sort of artificial pump in prices, eventually the market moves to the fundamentals and that means that the, the, the outlook is not going to be so good for stocks and shares, um, <coughs> stocks and shares for, the, for the coming few years. Real estate as well, with, with significant use of remote working, all of a sudden, um, commercial real estate, which is a big part of the property market, and also lots of expensive real estate, um, retail real estate, um, per, uh, which is, is expensive because of, by virtue of the fact that it's with an easy commute of commercial real estate, the demand for all of those reduce. Because now I can now move and live where I'd like to live, which is comfortable and inexpensive, because I don't need to commute so frequently. So this again will have a negative effect on real estate prices. And in gold, could potentially do well, but Bitcoin comes into the, into the market as this digital gold, which is accessible by anybody. Um, and is clearly, to people in the space, is, is, is lining up to be a better gold than gold. Yeah, exactly. Um, you heard, um, you might have, uh, you heard probably the, about uh, this um, uh, macro investor, what's his name, uh, Paul Tudor Jones. Yes. Do you yeah. think it, with his statement, uh, at least on the institutional level, that could accelerate the critical adoption rate? I mean, directly and indirectly have an effect like on the critical adoption rate? I mean, it's an interesting statement. I, 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 um, I retweeted it like a few others, but it is one statement of many it's and it will he it will convince some people i, I had um um people we know who were on the fence around bitcoin um or maybe could see some of its value but weren't sure about some other aspects they were um influenced by the fact that um paul tudor jones um decided to put i think it turned out to be about two percent about a billion dollars worth of his fund um, into Bitcoin. So it will influence some people. And um, when, um, when other people in the past have decided to put capital into Bitcoin, it's influenced, it's influenced a few. That's, that's the sort of a, an example of this sort of 
gravitational force that is Bitcoin. So it's just someone else who's finally gone over the edge and decided to, to go in. Um, uh, we're seeing banks starting to offer uh, banking as banking, for example, for an exchange was historically incredibly difficult. It's become easier. Um, you're seeing large institutions offering bank accounts to exchanges. Once that happens, it, others will open because if, if you're starting to see people like Goldman Sachs offering bank accounts, well, Barclays and HBC will look at that and say, okay, well, if they can do it, we can do it. Even JP um, Morgan. <laughs> yeah, even JP Morgan have a trading desk or so on. It's, it's, so this is an inexorable thing. We could, and, and if you're in the space, you see this was going to happen. Um, there will be people who will only realize it's happened after it's happened. We've got, we've got the trophy. We've gone home. We've put it on the mantelpiece and it's been running for five years. And then they'll finally realize, oh, Bitcoin is a thing now. Um, and they'll be the, they're the furthest away from the, from the black hole. Um, so he's just happened to just go over the event horizon and put money in and he's putting in 2%. And guess what? The next thing, you know, he'll be increasing that to 5% and 10, it's, 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 it's just, the story just plays out again and again. We've seen it over six and a half years. Um, so it, it is good. And, but in a way we're as an exchange, um, we have this sort of weird sort of um, almost um, counter reaction to it because there's so much stuff we want to do. And we also know that the halvings happen and that sort of fires in parallel that, that hit, that's like a, 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 a pulling of the firing trigger for, a, for the next sort of the beginning of the next bull run. You may not see it for another 12, 18, even 24 months because as the economy gets bigger, it takes longer to happen. But that's a sort of a starting line um, and, you, and, the, and the gun has been shot. All these things mean that down the line, it's going to get into crazy town like it's done before in both other bull runs. And if you're around at a bull run and you're running an exchange, it's really hard to fathom how crazy it gets during a very short period of time when you're in full bull run territory. And to the point of retail, they will come in en masse the majority of retail comes in in a very short period of time and then it subsides when the market stabilizes again um and so what we're trying to do is build our bitcoin arc effectively because when the flood comes you you don't want to be drowned by the flood um and it, in and and so when you see things like peter Jude, um is it peter tudor jones or paul tudor jones i always forgot but when you see yeah um ptj um um, or you you know that the halvings happened, it just lights a fire under our ass to have everything ready, as automated as possible, as scalable as possible, have all the features clearly uh, as ready and clearly communicate your value proposition before the FUD happens, because we don't know when it's going to happen. It could happen in three months' time. It can happen in two, uh, two years' time. And, uh, everything. And, and, our, and our real worry is that the bull run happens too early, which is sort of a crazy worry because <laughs> it's like, because um, if it does happen, we, we will still, everybody does well in the bull run, basically. Um, but um, what you want to, but what we fear, back from a philosophical point of view, is that lots of people come in and they will be directed towards the exchanges that are selling them multiple um, alternative coins, mm -hmm. <laughs> knowing that 
knowing full well that they're going to take all the money and convert it into Bitcoin and hold their money in Bitcoin or sometimes fiat if they want to hedge, but they, they won't be holding it in Wibblecoin or Wobblecoin. Absolutely not. And, and so either we want to have as many of them convert over to being Bitcoin only in a time or we capture as much as possible. I mean, obviously, we'd want, we're an exchange and we're a commercial business. We'd want as much business as we can. But if we can't do that, I'd, I'd love to see as many exchanges as possible going Bitcoin only so that when this next equinox comes in, the maximum number of people possible get given a correct and honest and no BS starts to the space. Mm -hmm. Got it. Um, where is, where's CoinFly, I mean, um, represented or, or, you know, from what countries or um, yep. jurisdictions can people? Yeah, I know. very easy. Um, so we, we're a UK company and the majority of our business is in UK GDP. However, um, we are exchanged as both U GBP and Euro, and customers can join up from around the world. There's certain countries that we exclude, like US, US because of it's, it's quite mm -hmm. a complex country from a, from a tax and, uh, and um, um, regulatory point of view. Mm -hmm. um, so I'd say the majority is, is UK, and then the second group is, is EU of the proximity to the EU. Um, um, for our, we've now recently launched a retail offering um, and we call that Autobuy. And again, for retail, we believe that not only should it be Bitcoin, but you should only offer investing and, I, and regular recurring investing because even professional traders struggle to make small profits consistently in trading. So to expect someone who's, um, you know, coming into this new to um, and, and offer them a trading offering, we think, again, is disingenuous. And, and um, the idea for us is, for you, if you're the Bitcoin guy or Bitcoin gal, and, you, and you've experienced that horrible feeling when you've fi finally people come to you and they don't try to <laughs> no, avoid you in the means, but they come to you because they're interested in Bitcoin, you explain and then you suggest an exchange and then they go away, come back a week later and said that they didn't buy Bitcoin, they bought Wibblecoin because mm -hmm. it's cheap or whatever, mm -hmm. um, and you facepalm, we now have an option. You can recommend CoinFloor knowing that there's only Bitcoin. There's going to be no risk of them offer, buying Wibblecoin or Wobblecoin. And also, we're only going to suggest them to invest recurring regular, which you know over time is the safest way. We're not exactly. going to try and get them to do leverage trading or buy, sell, download an app and constantly be checking the price because all of those things lead people. If you're constantly checking the price and the price goes up and you don't have, you don't have trader-honed um, nerves of absolute steel, mm -hmm. then you're going to overbuy when you shouldn't and you're going to oversell when you shouldn't. So the best thing is to focus people on recurring, automatic buying and then uh, maybe once a month, once every two months updates on how that's going, but not to track the price every few seconds. Um, then, you know, we have that option. In the US, you have people like Swan Bitcoin. You have in New Zealand, you have Vimba, you have Bull Bitcoin in, in, in um, Canada and more coming up doing that. But in the UK and soon in Europe, we're going to be out in Europe because again, we announced and there's there's been demand for us to offer in Europe, we'll be having the same feature. Yeah, there's, you know, a, a few uh, very strong Bitcoin advocates, you know, for advocating um, 
auto DCAs. I don't know whether uh, you know, probably Hasmi Cook uh, from Bitcoin, Twitter, it doesn't matter, but he's like really, he's, 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 he's sort of the number guy, you know, the engineer. And he said, you know, this is the only way to go out to DCA. So he's actually, the, the proof of isn't really is in the pudding, right? So yeah. betting against the market or all this, you know, reading tea leaves, like technical analysis into Bitcoin, it's really uh, irritating, you know? And, and it's, it's a distraction and it's designed to get people to do things that are not in their interest. Every time you log into that site and you start to try and, you, and you're doing anything other than to try and learn, this is, this is so we have three products for retail um, and only one of them is actually a product to buy, but the other ones we consider products. So the first one is education. We consider that a product because, um, but we call it no BS education because we, because we have to re-educate people and, and, and that's actually a product. And part of that is, doing as well doing these talks going on twitter and coming out with more sort of blogs that are all about um about education and so that's the first product and before we we purposefully before we launched our um buying product we had the only product was the education product for a period of time to get people to understand the first thing you should do and what you should constantly be doing supposed to learning about trading is learning about bitcoins learning about the fundamentals of, of, of cryptocurrency and money that's what you should be doing over the next one or two or three years. And that knowledge will protect you from selling when you shouldn't sell and buying, over buying when you shouldn't buy. That's the first. The second is not your keys, not your coins. You should, once you have enough level of education experience and a balance that makes it worthwhile, because if you've got 10 pounds, it's probably not worthwhile. You should custody yourself. You should first get Bitcoin get access to the community. Owning Bitcoin is your visa into this new, um, new world um, or your, your, um, your um, passport. And then learning about um, um, self-custody and self-verification, trust but also verify, is the next step because the, the mindset of the, building that sort of auditor type mindset. Then the next step is to be your own bank and that's to have your own wallet, ideally some sort of hardware wallet. And then the final, final step is to be your own central bank, which mm. is to have your own node. Yeah. But it doesn't make sense when you come in day one to go straight to being a central bank. When you know nothing about money, yeah. nothing about the fundamentals you have. Not, you, you, it's, it's, I think it's a bit too far a step. But you should go through the education process and be focusing on it and then be driving the customer towards that process. But there will be a period of time when they haven't... If the, the, the average hardware wallet right now is 50, maybe up to a hundred dollars, but 50 to a hundred dollars for a hardware wallet. Um, so it doesn't really make sense to have a 50, hundred dollar wallet. If you've only got $50 worth of Bitcoin or even a hundred dollars worth of Bitcoin, it's sort of the wallet itself is, is worth a third of your entire holdings of Bitcoin. It's better to have that 50 pounds in Bitcoin, you know, because <laughs> if that goes up 10 X, it sort of becomes a very expensive wallet relative to your wealth. And so, but there's, so there will be a period of time where it, um, for an investor type, um, um, for a trader, you need to have money on exchanges to trade for liquidity. But for an investor, there will be a period of time where you're going to hold your money on exchange um, under a certain value. And for that period of time, you want to have a very strong um, or assurances around custody. Now, 
most exchanges right now are saying that the assurance either they have none or the assurances are we use an external auditor and you should trust us because our, we trust because you should trust this auditor that's wrong-headed thinking that's that's the old world thinking we have something called proof of reserves proof of custody and we believe that the second product is using proof of reserves proof of custody to prove your balances on regular schedule just yesterday we announced our, i think it was our 74th proof of solvency audit which is now over six years of doing this um and that is our mechanism to allow people to start the process of self-verifying so they can take the instructions and verify to some extent no system is perfect but to some extent that at a given point in time we were solvent and then then they can wait for the next month while they're getting to the point where they've got enough education enough confidence and enough of a balance to then custody themselves so if, if you're at the five thousand level you should for example in terms of value you should almost definitely be having some as, uh, element of it custody yourself if you're at the five pound or ten pound or twenty pounds level it probably doesn't make sense and for that period of time in between you should have assurances and start learning about self mm -hmm. self-verification um, and then the final product is the, is, is the auto by offering, which is we believe that you should teach people to Bitcoin recurring payments because we know that over time, not only is it very, it performs very well over time and it, and it removes the emotion out of the, the mm -hmm. buying process, which is the main culprit for losing money, the emotional side. So this completely removes it. But there's a more subtle point, which is that the more people that um, are um, dollar cost averaging or stacking sets or originally called hodling, but, but in this very sort of um, consistent way, then the, you can see that the more that will lead to the stability of the price because the price moves up and down because of, of short-term speculative behavior. If everybody was long-term long term and not short and speculative then then the price movements would be well it would still increase in price right. but it'd be this it'll be this very very smooth curve i mean they're very predictable, predictable. Yeah. yes because the more just the more certain people are with their behavior in line with the way bitcoin is if everybody was also like every 10 minutes a new block comes out every day a new consistent payment went in then people would understand that consistency and the price would be more consistent. So if you want the price of Bitcoin to be more consistent, all the community should be telling people to become um, um, sat stackers um, and, uh, or dollar cost averages or, or auto buyers, as we like to call it. It's the, and it's the simple decentralized solution to, to, the, to the volatility problem. Fantastic. Um, what what do you um, would you say the some of the features? So for example, you know, you know transaction costs. Uh, would that be like uh, is that a feature you 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 market to 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 you know to, to your potential uh, customers? You know, would you be in the range of average transaction costs compared to other platforms? Yeah. So um, so in terms of our transaction costs, um, well, one thing we do is um, first of all we're very transparent to our costs. Mm -hmm. If you look um, for um, for uh, there are two types of exchanges, ones that deal with more sophisticated users, which is what we had done historically up until the beginning of this year when we went into retail, um, and then ones that market to retail. And what you find is a tale of two story, a tale of two transparency levels. When you're dealing with sophisticated users who don't take any BS 
and and are, and are able to see through it, all the sites will be very clear with their fees, and they won't try to hide things because a sophisticated user will will just basically see it and 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 basically blackball them. Um, and so they're very clear about their fees there. When it comes to retail, the fees are incredibly unclear, opaque, uh, obfuscated, hidden, um, and and sometimes it, there, there's a, sometimes there isn't even a fees page. You have to go into support or terms and conditions and figure it all out. So the first thing we did is try to be incredibly clear. Now this is again a risk we're taking. Because if people make it look like all the fees are free or so on, or, and, they, and they obfuscate it, and then they have a little sort of asterisk, look at the terms of conditions, because it's free plus this big fee, you know, underneath uh, multiple things with small print. Um, often a consumer won't see that and, and get the assumption it's free. Uh, whereas with us, we're trying to be transparent, but we believe not being transparent is BS. So, and if we're saying no BS, we have to be transparent in our fees. So our fees are very transparent on the fees page. However, um, we've looked at the average amount someone was going to do of an auto buy, and it's going to generally be in that sort of 20 to 100 um, um, pounds or euro sort of level. Because um, remember, they're doing this regularly and maybe start monthly and then they go to weekly. Uh, and what we prefer people do is instead of increasing the amount of an autobuy, increase the frequency of an autobuy to get to the same amount because that smooths it out more and it works out to be the same thing. So at that sort of 20 to 100 pound level, we are, we are very competitively priced. Um, once you sort of figure out, once you get your doctorate in mathematics and law and you figure out what the actual fees that the other people charge, then you can realize that that we are we are um as well priced if not um significantly cheaper in some cases sometimes half the price some of these do a five six seven percent at certain fee points but you have to sort of calculate it it's not so easy to work that out um when you when you look at it prima face it'd be very interesting to see if someone actually did took some of the, the leading, at least UK, um, um, retail offerings and sort of figured out after deconstructing their fees what you'd actually pay if you're buying like 40 quid's worth. And you'll find that the fees are far higher than you would have expected them to be. I love that aspect of transparency. Yeah. Um, because, it, you know, it also makes a whole a project, you know, more credible, just, you know, credible and, and authentic and, and, and genuine, you know. So I think it's really important, the narrative, like how do you, how do you communicate the narrative and, and behind it? Um, mm -hmm. say, uh, Obi, but to uh, that point of, to that point yeah. of credible and transparent though, I mean, to be fair, the other way to appear credible in retail is just spend a lot of money on marketing and advertising. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that's something that we um, are not willing to do because, uh, and instead we, we want to try and offer a, a, just a transparent and honest, no BS offering. And hopefully our core strategy is that the, the, um, the Bitcoin maximalists, the people who really want to help bring this industry forward, recognize that and call out the BS and point people towards us. And so even though they may not, they may not want to use this retail offering, or, or they may want to use it as well, but they may want to use our more sophisticated offerings. 
that's not the point. It's that the, the point is that they should be aware of it so that they, so when someone's coming in new, they understand it's a journey and the first step should be pointing towards a Bitcoin on exchange, which is an investment only offering. And the more of those that exist, like I say, the swans and, uh, and the bulls and, mm -hmm. and so on, um, the better. Yeah, you know, that's that's the thing with, with me also. Uh, I need to identify myself with the ethos, you know, and the, the product and then I can, you know, I can market it or market it. I mean, you know, or or, or communicate it to 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 the people around me. This is, you know, I, uh, let me let me go to another point I was going to uh, bring up is I think, you know, uh, do you have like a demographics, like what kind of people that are there are so like merchants, because I'm, I'm my focus right now is to get more and more merchants, like small businesses, merchants, shop owners into the Bitcoin space, because, you know, I think this is the pulse of the time. This is the perfect timing to equip them, equip them, equip these merchants with an alternative opt in, you know, pay a Bitcoin payment infrastructure, but it's, you know, it's not user friendly. And this is, I know I sound like sometimes like a broken record, but I think it's so important to make it user friendly, to make it, you know, like, like really obvious, you know, from, from the thinking process. Mm. So I, I have a different view. We've looked at um, merchants in the past and so on. Um, and I think ultimately merchants will come in, but merchants tend to be, furthest away on that spectrum of coming in because they need certainty more than other people and they, and so they and so they're so they're just mindset wise are n less willing to speculate with of products that in their sign they perceive as less certain so the key to get merchants in is not necessarily improving the technology it's improving the certainty and you improve the certainty by reducing the volatility. It could go up in value consistently, but as long as it's not like this and it's consistent, merchants are going to be all over it. And so how do I improve the certainty? We, we in the past, which we, we did stuff in the sort of institutional space with physically delivered futures and so on. We launched that. It was, uh, and, and it and, um, did very well and it's still doing well. But actually, at the retail space is to get as many people as possible, as many people as possible, um, auto buying, dollar cost averaging, sat stacking. Because if they're doing that, that stabilizes the price. And if they're stabilizing the price and merchants feel that this is a very, very certain um, platform and technology, um, they will desire it. And if they desire it, they will jump over every hoop, every usability issue possible to use it. And they will complain and, and demand feature usage. But even if it's difficult to use, if it's consistent and going up in value, every merchant will be falling over themselves to use it in its current form, even with the transaction issues, even with the usability issues on Lightning Network. And so, so you, have to, um, you have to get the ordering right. You have to make owning bitcoin desirable first mm -hmm. and then once it's desirable people will want to own it as opposed to and, and they would want to and they'd want to, and merchants will say well you know what i'm willing to give you a discount if you give me bitcoin because i'm very confident that it will go up in value by 10 percent over the next year so i'm willing to give you a discount of 10 percent mm -hmm. but if um it's going like this I'm, and uh, and the more confident that i have in its in its its growth trajectory the more i can sort of make a call that I'm willing to give you a discount because so, uh, to get it now 
because it's harder and harder to access and it's easier for me to access right now as a merchant. Um, as I say, the usability, if you look at um, other sort of disruptive technologies, in their first versions, they were very difficult to use, yeah. very clunky, very unreliable, but mm -hmm. there was a desire for it that was so much that people were willing to use this clunky, difficult to use offering. Mm -hmm. And if that's, so there are people who've, uh, and so the people who want Bitcoin right now and desire it are the people who've gone through the educational process and they understand it as a store of value. Um, and they've also understood that the short-term volatility is something that um, they can ignore because of the long-term fundamentals. The less the short-term volatility, the more people will be willing to make that mental leap because it's only the people who have spent a lot of time educating and they're the most risk tolerant are making that mental leap at the moment. It's very stable. Now, all of a sudden, you've got the full market. So to get merchants equals get everybody auto buying, get get everybody stacking sets, mm -hmm. get everybody um, dollar cost averaging. If you do that, merchants will be falling over themselves to come into this market. Yeah, it's Many really actually mm -hmm. store of value first, medium of exchange second. It was never even a question. It used to be a debate between Bitcoin Cash and Bitcoin and Bitcoin, but it really is never a question. And the clue is in the name, which one's more valuable? Store of value is more value because it stores value. Right. Now, uh, Obi, listen, I mean, I'm totally with you on the process of monetary evolution, you know, from store of value, medium exchange, unit account. But, you know, let me give you a concrete example. I mean, uh, to, to the point of user friendliness, I mean, it took me more than a week. And I'm not a techie guy, but I'm, you know, I would say I'm not inexperienced. And I sat down and turned my Casa 2 into a my note, full, you know, full note. And, yep. uh, you know, some of the applications are connected, you know, whether, whether it be Samurai Wallet. So I asked yep. my girlfriend, I said, hey, would you be willing to, you know, to, to equip yourself with a full node with all the infrastructure, you know, and you give your, you give your, and that's what exactly what you said before, previously, you know, you're like, uh, like what if the merchants, you know, uh, would, uh, would offer their client, their customers like five to 10%, whatever, some kind of discount. And she said, yeah, she would love to, but you know, she doesn't have the time. She literally works every day, seven days a week in her business, in her shop. And, but she would do, she would offer that uh, as an alternative opt-in if people, you know, p most people are not interested. They're ignorant about it. They don't care. They just want to, you know, pay anonymously or privately, you know, cash and, you know, buy the product and just, you know, and then and just, 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 you know, just, just do the transaction. So I'm like, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's difficult to use, but I said, node is like the final process. That's a very quite advanced use case. So you people first need to own Bitcoin, then understand about self-verification, then become have a holder own own Bitcoin themselves and not on exchange, and then operate a node. Um, so that's it's going to be more complex becoming your own central bank, you know, because the equivalent is being your own central bank. Effectively, you're able to monitor the flow of money, and um, and you're part of the process of verifying and allowing new money to be generated. In this decentralized way, in this decentralized way, um, so that's a pretty advanced thing. Uh, that's that's my first um, concern. My other view on that is that you have fiat money. Fiat money is inherently inflationary, yeah. and you have Bitcoin. And if you understand it, it's inherently disinflationary at the moment and eventually will have zero, zero inflationary, <laughs> uh, uh, eventually zero inflationary. Um, 
and maybe deflationary because some people unluckily will lose their Bitcoin and so on, leading it to be slightly deflationary. Now, if you have two monies, one that you expect to go up in value or hold its value and the other one to go down in value, which one would you spend first as a consumer? What that is, yeah. So, and when would, and when would, you, when would you start spending this one? When this one runs out? Right. And when does fiat money that's printed by central banks run out? Never, because it has an infinite supply. Yeah. So uh, I think that the only people who will use Bitcoin are people who have no choice. Because just realistically, you're going to use it because um, you, even if you just want to buy and then immediately buy something and immediately buy more Bitcoin, you've just given yourself a tax, um, um, a tax implication that you now have to um, send off to um, your various tax authorities at the, at the end of the year to buy a cup of coffee when you could have just bought it with fiat. And also you're going through two exchanges, crypto to, um, you're, you're transferring, so you've got a big, an on-chain transaction to transfer Bitcoin to someone and you're going to pay a fee for that in terms of minus fees um, and maybe lightning network fees and or lightning network fees. And also you've got a transaction to convert more fiat into Bitcoin. You might as well have just sent them fiat. Right. So which, which is going to be going down in value. So you might as well send them that anyway. Um, only, the only time people are going to use it to buy stuff is when it's something that they cannot buy anywhere else or in a way that they absolutely um, um, need over and above all of the loss of potential future value of Bitcoin. Um, so there are various sort of use cases that happen right now and some of them, you know, in the, but they tend to be edge cases. The mass market cases where you see it everywhere, I feel is an end game case where it's now blindingly obvious to the majority of people, including merchants who are just people, that Bitcoin is the ultimate store of value. It's better gold than gold. And it's clearly better for store, as a store of value than um, real estate and so on and so forth. That might take five years, it might take 20 years. It doesn't matter. But at that point in time, then you're going to see this wholesale move of merchants saying, you know what? I literally, I'm, I might take a discount or I will only accept Bitcoin. Right. Um, um, but if, if you've got 10 merchants and two or three only accept Bitcoin and seven accept fiat and Bitcoin, people will still use the seven that will accept fiat because they just want to get rid of the shitcoin, um, the real shitcoin, which is fiat, and, and keep Bitcoin. So it's only at the point when the majority of them, the people in your area, you have no choice, but all your merchants, and I'll say, I'm, I'm not touching anything other than Bitcoin, which will happen eventually. And then you'll see this switch over. And at that point, people will have to spend Bitcoin because there's no choice. And merchants will have to accept Bitcoin because, because at that point, they would, they'd be crazy not to. But that's, that's, that's quite far down the line. And, um, and well before that is, is a world where people are still using Bitcoin for its number one use case, which is a store of value. Um, and so that's why we focus people on store of value right now. It's a store of value. Bitcoin is already much easier to use, much more less expensive than any other option. You're talking about the complexity of setting up a node to own it, to, to, yeah, to, to own it. You know, but compare that to the complexity of buying a house. Yeah, and have a, like a... Like, compare you know, that to the easy, complexity of buying a house. 
Yeah, yeah, and easy to it's use. It's far, know, like, far know. easier right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I was, I was going to ask you, like, because um, I mean, that's why I'm looking forward to to Strike, as I talked um, talked a little bit to Rockstar developer, and he said uh, Strike could come, hopefully, in the near future to Europe, to European Union, and that would really simplify uh, tremendously the process of of payment because the the, the customer doesn't even need to think about whether he's paying uh, in Bitcoin or fiat. Because the merchant at the end of the of the transaction can just decide in what currency sort of you know uh, uh, the transaction can, should be or could be completed. So strike, I think, yeah, I mean, could be yeah. game changer in this. But I, I I really hope it is, um, and I really hope that, and I think that strike and and many other apps and out there are. Um, simplifying the process no end and i and i, I think you're going to see a, a massive simplification in in terms of the, the payment process um but i i do still i'm still having the assumption that most people um for the foreseeable especially if they're expecting the price of bitcoin to go up significantly over the next two years especially in this period of time the next two or three years will just look at it and just from an economic um, if you believe in bitcoin's fundamentals if you don't believe in bitcoin you're not going to be using bitcoin and if you do there's going to be a lot of i i don't see the incentive for you to spend it right now when you're expecting the price to go up i, I and what we've seen in the last bull run is that the volume was heavily weighted towards the buying and the only people who are selling are miners or or traders but the vast majority of people are, are trying to just buy. They, they, it's in terms of retail, it's getting into the market and a few people exiting. Um, but the, the reason why the price went up was because there was far more demand to buy than demand to sell. And so if you're thinking it's going to go up in price and you're speculating for the long term, um, you're, you're, you, I just feel like the likelihood that you're going to want to buy, even if it's really convenient, you have to understand the technical aspect and the speed of, of and simplicity is not the main um, functional reason why people use fiat over Bitcoin. The main functional reason is actually an economic one, and that's what yeah. the realization is that one is inflationary, one is the, one is the, one is the, the, the feature of inflation which incentivizes getting rid of it. It's a hot potato. Right. And one has disinflation and eventual zero inflation, which incentivizes holding on. So when you spend Bitcoin, you really have to think, Do I, is this thing I'm buying worth 10x what it's, what it's what 10x what, it's, what I'm spending on it now? You know, or do I need it so much that I'm willing to lose 10x on its future, on it? Um, and there's a very few things that meet that test. Well, is this thing worth worth more than I'm willing to spend on it right now? That's the question that you have to have in your mind when you're overspending fiat. Mm -hmm. You know, I was just thinking in order to transition more into localism, circular economies, you know, it just even if it's just payments, transaction of a smallest fraction of a Bitcoin, like a couple yeah. of Satoshis, you know, this is what I'm getting at. Like, can we transition slowly into into a bit bitcoin denominated circular economies uh, as, a, as a preparation you know for the for this new monetary economical evolution yeah i mean you you've, you know the sort of the s curve where you, you something starts and it slowly increases and this is rapid expansion um and then it slows down um i think in the background 
there's a huge amount of work happening on making the user experience simpler. There's work on like um, CASA to make these um, nodes and others on sim simplified nodes, hardware wallets, you know, Ledger, Trezor, I've got, uh, and, and uh, Kiki, there's a few others that have, again, have got easier and easier to use. And um, also software wallets, green address, wallet. Um, Samurai wallet, with coin mixing, Samurai. coin joining. It's amazing. There's, it's there's, more there's, there's more, there's more, there's more and more that are coming. So work is happening in that space and that's building the foundations. But um, from my point of view, I don't expect them to be needed for a good few more years um, um, because we're still in this early stage of the S-curve. And when it happens, like with most things, it's a bit like a revolution. It's like bubbling up, bubbling up. The seeds and, and the foundations are, this is a, this is a monetary revolution. So, and, and if you analyze revolutions, it's the seeds happen of, of sort of, frustration and and resentment build up slowly and the infrastructure for the new government builds up slowly um so leaders of the revolution start to appear they start to they have a greater and greater voice they build up support and when it reaches the critical mass the actual process of the revolution happens over a week you know it's like government overthrown so on new party put in place you don't i mean if you think about it logically you, it's unlikely that um, um if if you had the revolution day one when or without the infrastructure in place you would have overthrown a government and it would have ended up in chaos but what you tend to see happen is that this new organization this new government comes into place and there are certain levels of structures that they have already forced her out and it's already been in place. Now, the magic was, although it appeared to happen in a week, was a year or two or so before, all of this was getting ready, one way or another was building up. And that's what's happening right now. But when it actually switches, it's literally gonna be um, a very short period of time. People are gonna finally, the, the, the penny's gonna drop and, and there's gonna be a switch. I still think there'll be a place for fiat currency because governments, the ability to print your own money is a superpower. And, and as long as people have to exist in countries and live there, there will be at least a requirement to pay taxes in the local currency for, uh, for at least the stronger economies. So there will be this requirement for fiat currency. And also, if it's inflationary, people will still want to get any fiat they earn, they will want to get. They will still, they'll, so I see happening is um, where they can, they will spend their fiat. Otherwise, they will try to convert it into Bitcoin um, and they'll, they'll convert it with people who need to get fiat to pay taxes as well. Um, and more and more people though, especially if they're, they're dealing with their work remotely, which is where, again, remote working is standard, where all your employees and customers could be anywhere in the world. That, that sort of, that trade, which is gonna be, we already see is a bigger and bigger part of the world economy will be transacted in in this sort of decentralized currency and stuff that you have to get locally you have no choice because you because you you need it locally will will probably and in the physical world will likely be in fiat etc taxes and other stuff you have to get locally and that would be a dividing line if anything you have to buy locally you'll, you'll convert your bitcoin earnings or some subset into into fiat to pay for those um anything you need to get anything else which is all the stuff you buy online or get, then more and more you'd get that purchase in Bitcoin because only because customers, only because your suppliers will not accept anything else other than Bitcoin.
Otherwise, if they accept fiat, you're still going to get rid of your fiat first because it's inflationary. This is and amazing. When you have a circular yeah. economy. You know, I'm really looking forward to a deflationary economy. I, I, I also talked to the author of, oh, wow, um, yeah. of Jeff, uh, you know, Jeff Booth, the author of Price of Tomorrow. It's it's amazing book. Uh, if you haven't read it yet, please do. Uh, maybe oh, we will. can you know, continue our talk uh, next time. Uh, we really enjoyed our talk. Uh, so uh, what's the, uh, any, any final thoughts or, or uh, words of wisdom uh, besides, you know, stacking sets, auto-accumulate, auto-DCA? Um the the main thoughts is that you know this is a financial revolution and we want to do this right and start it off on the right basis and that right basis is one where we understand that all of us are servants to the future we there's a whole new generation of people out there um generation z um, millennials who um have been um, sold short by the existing um, financial world and there's an opportunity to give them access to this new new financial future and so we have to do everything possible to do that and set them off with the right footing and the way you do that is simple you focus them on the only currency cryptocurrency that really is worth talking about from a reliability technical maturity community point of view bitcoin you don't confuse them with trading you focus them on investing um, because we know that the past was about short-term speculation the future is about long-term certainty and stability uh, through mathematics and game theory and just understanding people and then finally you just try to educate educate and educate and so those are my past final words you can hear me going on about this on twitter i'm ob on twitter luckily i had a very i was very early into twitter so i just have obs my twitter and obviously on coinflow um, our website coinflow.co.uk great yeah so um yeah so ob is simple obi on twitter yep. uh coinflow uh and the the website or the platform is it coinflow.co.uk slash hodl yes yeah, we have coinflow.com as well. It all redirects to the same place. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, so I'm going to put those in the show notes. Yeah, uh, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time, Obi. Hope we can thank you very much in the near future and talk to you soon. See you later. See bye. Bye-bye. Have a good, great day. Well, if you if you ain't st st stacking sets by now, you should be. Auto DCA is the key to the future. Auto accumulating saving because bitcoin is a saving technology so let me know what you think about this awesome fascinating conversation i've had with obi nobosu the co-founder and ceo of coinfloor uh we talked about so many topics which is i have to digest it first myself but let me know your questions your feedback and um yeah we'd love to hear from you back and uh, uh make sure you follow uh, obi on twitter and i'm gonna put those in the show notes all the information and make sure you you check out coinfloor the auto dca hodl um, function and yeah thanks so much for support and for listening hope you've had some fun see you soon.